Good morning, church. Thank you, Will, for that word. Thank you for your giving this morning. Uh, Psalm 118 and 24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made, and we do rejoice, and we are glad in it. Uh, turn to your neighbor and just tell them praise looks good on you. It looks good on you. The Bible says praise is comely to the righteous. I grew up on the King James Version, so that's the version I memorized. I think NIV says it's fitting. It's fitting that we praise him. We're created to praise, so it looks good on you. So in this day, we do rejoice. Happy Father's Day for the 10th time. We celebrate all the dads. Those of you who have been fathered, maybe you're not a biological father yourself, but you've been fathered. Certainly all of us have a heavenly father in whom we uh, will never be failed or disappointed. And so we can thank God for him. Um, and not unlike Mother's Day, uh, we recognize the emotions on a day like today are vast. And so we do our best to manage the tension simultaneously uh, praying for and empathizing with those of us for whom this day brings a lot of pain. Maybe we didn't have the dad that we would have liked to have had, or we did, but his presence physically is no longer here, and we're reminded today of that. Um, or some other scenario that for you this day maybe isn't all smiles and giggles. We think about and pray for you, and simultaneously celebrate y'all who are here knocking it out of the park. Can we give it up for the fathers that we can celebrate who are here today? Bless God for them. Your sacrifice, your service, your humility, your relentless pursuit of excellence, which I think Jim Collins said makes for a level five leader. We thank you. We thank you and we celebrate you uh, today. My name is Paul. I'm privileged to serve as pastor of this congregation, and it is an awesome honor to stand here any day um, and, and, and share God's word and just to have a conversation with you as we do on a weekly basis. Um, for those of you who are here for the first time, I love how Troy Savage said, or for the 20th time, we are glad that you chose to spend an hour of your time with us. Those live streaming, thank you as well for, for joining us today. I pray that you've already been met by the love of Jesus uh, Christ. I want to plug, Troy mentioned this, the, the class after service, um, and he, in his ever ever going, ongoing humility, didn't mention that he'll actually be the one teaching it. So you want to join if you've learned anything uh, like I have, it's that you can be sharpened by, um, by the folks sitting next to you, and Troy has indeed sharpened my life in so many ways. So I would encourage you, grab that donut and head on up to the, to the cafeteria uh, to be with him. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 22, and we'll look at verses 29 and 30. Um, have you, as you heard, Will mentioned that we're in a, a, a series called Spirit-Filled, um, and by no means are we departing from a series, if you will. I don't know how we could ever part, depart from being spirit-filled, but in honor of Father's Day, there's a message particularly uh, for that today. So Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 29 and 30. And before we read, let's pray. Lord, help us as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Ezekiel chapter 22 Verses 29 and 30, it reads this way. I'll be reading from the NIV. The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the foreigner, deny, mistreat the foreigner denying them justice. Verse 30 says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. Title of the sermon this morning is Gap Filler. Gap Filler. 
Um, I know you've talked to your neighbor already, but turn and just ask them, are you a gap filler or are you a gap expander? Are you filling gaps or are you making them wider? You may or may not realize, and in reality, I don't know that we could ever really realize how great and big the gap created by our sin was and is between us and God. Have you ever thought about that, though? According to the Bible, all of us were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and we, sort of through the inherited legacy of Adam and Eve, created a gap between us and God that could not be bridged. We have no power to bridge it, but only by his massive sacrificial love, John 3.16 said that he loved all of us such that he gave his son for us, died for our sins, paying a debt we should have paid, had no currency to pay, and he did that on our behalf. And so now by faith through his grace, we can be saved. Last week in the Biblical Foundations class in that purple book, which is simply a Biblical Foundations uh, study, we talked about sin and salvation, and we referenced Romans 10, 9, and 10, and said in that moment that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. Justification, as it's called, being declared righteous. But after that moment, we also talked a bit about last week uh, in the class that there's sanctification, this ongoing process of being cleansed by the Holy Spirit, being made ongoingly righteous until glorification when we get to leave this world and are saved from the presence of sin. And as we understand scripture to be saying that we will then live with Jesus Christ forever. But in the process of sanctification, we have many opportunity to recognize that we are not God and he is not us. And I smile because I think we can be thankful that we're not God uh, because none of us would probably be here if we were. I'm sure you don't have the list, maybe unofficial or official, but I imagine if some of y'all were God, you might just be walking or doing whatever you're doing and just kind of, oof, sorry, lightning bolt. Didn't mean to do that, sorry. <laughs> or that push that person off the pier, whatever it might look like for the people on your list. But if you have a list, then you best believe you're probably on somebody else's too, right? So I'm thankful in all seriousness that we are not God. We can't be, and there is in fact a gap between us and him. And every day I'm reminded of it. I think about just waking up in the morning. When I open my eyes, every now and then I'll just say, wow, God, you did that. Alarm clock is great, but you did that. Go out, look at the sun, the sky, the clouds. God, you did that. When my daughter, who always comes to me around six or seven, if we're leaving the park or the pool, and she'll kind of say, Daddy, you see the, the moon up there? It's another moment to say, God, I'm not you. Thank you for what you do. Um, Speaking of the park and the pool, I was having a conversation with a friend who asked me uh, yesterday about my allegiance to an NBA team. And I had to tell him that I grew up in New York, but I am not a New York Knicks fan. You can pray for me. <laughs> but I was an MJ fan growing up. Um, <laughs> uh, and so you can imagine if you're from New York or if you're not, right? You're from New York and you don't root for the Knicks. Like, what is wrong with you? There was a gap created between me and just about all of New York, a gap that I had no desire to bridge, really, and nor did they really have a desire to bridge. And on some respect, if some respect, um, 
I think all of us can identify, whether it's that or something else, with creating gaps that we have attention, if you will, in terms of how we bridge those gaps. It might be a lack of knowledge, quite simply. Like, we don't even know what to say or how to, like, how do I explain to you that MJ's the best ever and I have to cheer for him, right? I can't do that. Or maybe it's fear of what might be your reputation after standing in, filling a gap that's been created by whatever uh, has created that gap. But all of us can find ourselves in those moments. Maybe it's time. Maybe all of your 168 hours a week are full and you've got no time to spend filling a gap created. But what I want to emphasize this morning from this text is that when we stand in the gap, others live. When we stand, others live. It's a matter literally of life and death, spiritually, certainly, in some cases, maybe even physical life and death. Our standing means that others get to live. Ezekiel, the author of this book, is a Hebrew prophet, came after Jeremiah, served for about 23 years, and his job simply was to warn, essentially, of the destruction of Jerusalem. He was speaking both to the exiles as well as to those who were still there in Judah. And he was, according to the 33rd chapter of Ezekiel, a watchman who looks for coming trouble and warns the people. He was keenly aware of God's power, his presence, and his, 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 his power in human affairs. Addressing both, again, the exiles to Babylon, as well as the people left in Judah with such messages of warning and judgment, he predicted in many ways the future of what Jerusalem would be. But in the midst of what was a social disintegration or fragmentation of Judah, in which all leaders had to share, there, according to the text here, is a search for one righteous person to make a difference. Now, if you've read the prophets, minor or major, there may be a difficult time, and it's not uncommon, to figure out just what relevance does what Malachi has to say, or in this case, Ezekiel or Jeremiah, have to do with us? And we might say that because those words were for Israel, and I hear that. However, if that is your posture, there are some very basic messages through the prophets when we read them that we can all receive in terms of what it tells us about what God values, what's important to him, and then, yes, contextualize it for where we situate ourselves today. What I will say so as not just to do what's called proof texting, which is just to sort of cherry pick a text and, and, and use it to eisegete or interpret scripture in such a way that it fits my context, is to say that what is mentioned here is replete or found throughout the general tenor of scripture in terms of oppression of the poor and so on. And all that's listed here in the, in the 22nd chapter of Ezekiel. So it isn't just proof texting. This is, in fact, a, a, a replica, if you will, of what is found throughout scripture that is of concern and importance to God. The other acts, if you want to go back and read, um, that were mentioned earlier in the chapter that weren't pleasing to God included things like bloodshed, idolatry, perversion of power. And I think verse 12 says something along the lines of just outright forgetting God. And yet God in his mercy through Ezekiel says, I'm looking for someone who's going to stand in the gap on behalf of the land, which includes the inhabitants of said land. Second Chronicles says it this way, 16 and 9, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I'll go back to my Bulls reference. Because as a Bulls fan, in essence, I was trying to stand in the gap somewhat for the Knicks fans to say, hey, it's not going to happen. 
As long as MJ, who is the greatest basketball player of all time, have I said that before from the stage, is playing, that that's not going to happen. MJ did that to a whole lot of us. I have a lot of dissonance now, like, how can I not be a Knicks fan? But I can't jump on now. MJ's retired. What do I do? So now I just say I like to watch good basketball. Um, and that's what I do. God was looking for someone, even in the midst of what was happening, all the chaos, all the, 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 the fragmentation, for somebody to build a wall, it says here in our text, which is a reference to the 13th chapter where God was saying through Ezekiel that the leaders were not repairing the walls in such a way that Israel could be fortified in the case of battle. He's looking for someone to take action, to get off the bench, if you will. Sorry for the numerous sports references. Every athlete, though, in the room or outside the room knows you don't want to be on the bench. If you are an athlete and you call yourself as such, you want to get in the game. You want to be in the action. And yet in Christianity, for some reason, it doesn't always translate, right? There's something about being on the bench that's okay. I don't want to get in the game. There's too much at risk. I don't have time or whatever the case might be. And yet he's looking for someone who will not just say, I'm a Christian, but who will actively build and repair and stand in the gap created by sin and intercede and pray on behalf of the Lamb. Who will stand in the gap, making up the breach against God's judgment by praying for, by repenting, and by actively engaging godly reform? Who will stand in the gap? Because when we stand, others others live. Abraham testifies to it. Go to Genesis 18. It said, literally, he remained standing on behalf of the people, so God would not destroy Sodom. He says, if 50 are present, God, will you destroy? If, God, forgive me, but 10, will you preserve the land? Moses stood in the gap as well on behalf of the people. Psalm 106 and 23 says, he stood in the gap such that God's wrath was kept from destroying the people. And in this text, it's saying again, in the midst of all that's going on, is there just one righteous person? Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1 says it this way. Go up and down the streets of Jerusalem. Look around and consider. Search through her squares. If you can find but one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I will forgive this city. On this Father's Day, I can't help but reflect. So you'll get a little bit of who I am in terms of a son biologically. I have no idea. None, really. The extent to which my father's standing in the gap building, repairing, has had bearing on my life. I get a little bit, but I really will never really know the extent to which when I would go into his bedroom and see him on his knees and his repentance and his prayer and actively building what that meant for me and our community. I really don't have an idea. When I'm young, certainly didn't have a clue, and God, through him and my mother, which by the way, ladies, don't tune out because this is for all of us. I'm just emphasizing today, fathers. But his time in prayer, certainly as a kid, covered me. But even when I became of age, was at UVA as an undergraduate student, professing Jesus, but all the time you may or may not have seen the fruit. (laughs) Dad was probably on the wall, praying, repenting for, interceding on behalf. I have no idea what his standing in the gap for me and sin created by me between me and God did for me in the life that I live and lead now. I'll never know, for example, how the hour that they chose to travel from Long Island to the Bronx three to four times a week to serve that community 
impacts and influences my life today. While working full-time as a chaplain at Rikers Island Prison in the early 90s when it was particularly crazy. Rikers has always been crazy, but that time was out of control. Full-time, traveling three to four times a week. I'll never know. Even at 39, I process at times, Lord, I'm starting to see a little bit of how that influence has influenced me. For example, us traveling all those times taught me a couple of things. We're not traveling three to four times a week, cat, an hour one way to sit on a bench. We're not traveling to the Bronx just to get hours, I, and that's not an indictment. Let me insert that parenthetically. I mean, if the shoe fits, squeeze into it. But it's not meant to be an indictment. It's, it's meant more to reflect upon what I got from that space. And it wasn't, Lord, for me to just go and get mine. No, it was we were going into the South Bronx to help and build and repair the corner of South of East Tremont Avenue and Washington Avenue. We're going to stand in the gap for sin created systemically and individually in that community such that 20 years from now, kids like me don't have to deal with what we had to deal with on that same corner. We too are here to repair. On Monday nights, Troy alluded to it. When we get on the phone on Monday nights, we are standing in the gap, interceding on behalf of a community, this church, absolutely, this country, the world. The setup team, when they show up at 745, is not because they don't have anything else to do. Or they couldn't sleep. They're standing in the gap. They're building something. They're repairing something. And because dad, my biological father, built, I get to live in so many realities that I'm still coming into the truth and knowledge of. Because he stood, kids aren't getting robbed as much as we did. We're getting into as many fights as they did. The, the community is not seeing the, the kind of ravaging by drugs and violence that we got to see growing up. And fathers, this is both a thank you and an encouragement and a challenge to you. Thank you because the acknowledgement, the kudos, the, the pat on the back may not come as often for the sacrifice, just as I did not know all of what dad was doing. We don't get to see you necessarily doing all of those things, but we want to say thank you today for standing in the gap, for building and repairing in ways that maybe nobody gets to see, for praying, for interceding on behalf of your children. Repentance for their lapse of judgment at times and actively engaging and repairing the walls that contributes to the brokenness within which they get to live and be socialized. Thank you. The encouragement is that it matters. What you do, how you stand in the gap, how you build and repair, it matters. Perfect? No. But getting off the bench Getting in the game makes a difference. So thank you. When you stand, others live. The challenge for all of us today, especially those who know that you haven't necessarily built in the ways that you ought to have built, today is a new day. And the challenge is, can you make that great decision today? And ask God, how today, Lord, am I going to stand in the gap for those around me, in my household, my community, in such a way that they too can live? As I close, um, I was listening to a CD of my dad the other day. Those of you who know, he's not as verbal these days. My dad lives in Northern Virginia. He has Parkinson's and dementia. And um, so he's not as verbal. So I popped the CD in the CD changer, and I just wanted to hear his voice and kind of just interact, if you will, through a sermon that he was, uh, was preaching. And in listening to the CD, it, it made me reflect on about a week and a half ago when I was up in Northern Virginia and I was kind of going to a men's conference, but then staying with him at night. 
Um, and I was doing things for my dad I never thought I'd do, right? Act, activities of daily living, ADLs, right? Like those kinds of things, and I'm doing these things. And never, never once was there a moment of, oh, God, come on, man, <laughs> I got to do that too? Or, oh, don't have, you know what I felt? If I could be here every day, the privilege, the opportunity that I get now to serve you in this way, man, I would do it every day. And I just said that to you, like, I don't know how we would work that out, but if I could do it, I'd be there every day. And it made me think about our Heavenly Father. God, why don't I stand in the gap? I'll make this personal. This is a we thing, but in this moment, why don't I? When there's an opportunity in this situation, certainly there were lots of reasons, fear, ego, lack of knowledge. Why don't I stand in the gap? It's because I don't know and out of fear of, of me being found out, I stiff arm and say, I'm not doing that. Or is it that, God, 168 hours, they're taken up because I'm trying to get tenure at UVA. I got plenty to do. Or maybe it's fear of if I stand in the gap in that way, what will be said of me in this town? It's a small town, you know. I thought, God, I asked those questions then, but here, my earthly father, not perfect, great guy, heavenly father, God, what would it look like on your behalf? That's what you were looking for. Who is going to stand, it says, before me, speaking of him, in the gap on behalf of the land? Our land is Charlottesville. Our land is our households that we find ourselves in. So dads, moms, everyone in the room emphasizing dads today, the encouragement, the challenge is to reflect upon and think. I can give you some ideas. I work in education and can tell you about the achievement gap and all of what contributes to it in ways that we as educators can stand in that gap. But you might be in the business realm and you might see some things there where you say, oh, Lord, if they won't repent, God, I come before you. I see what's happening. I repent for the sins of this community in this space. UVA, I'm glad, is repenting for some of the sins of the institutional memory that we know of but have a difficult time unearthing. And certainly in our city, we can collectively say, God, sorry. And how can we make you recognizable such that others can see you and we can stand in the gap on behalf of such that we can see others live. Amen.